We're back to a goal in one, episode two. We are joined with Chris and Andy. And today on the podcast, we have a legend of the football game. We've got Southampton legend Matt Letizia, 443 appearances, one man club, 161 goals. He is known as Le God. So for the rest of this podcast, we're just going to call you Le God. How's that? <laughs> That's fine, honestly. Is that all right? <laughs> Matt, welcome down. Thanks, mate. Good to see you. And you. So we, we play, you know what? Funnily enough, it popped up on my Facebook account. It was, last, it was literally last year and about three days ago when we played Earth Course. I know. Time flies, doesn't it? It's madness. A lot's changed in that time. <laughs> how, 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 was, was, how was the round, guys? Matt's a player. We were on the same team, weren't we? Yeah, we were, yeah. Yeah, so we're, unde- we're, un- we're undefeated. <laughs> uh, I watched a might... YouTube video with Tubes. Just got down to three, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, uh, my chipping game should be quite good by the time we get back because I've, I've been able to chip about 20 yards in the garden. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's is, madness. Is, but... is Dubai quite a frequent trip for you, Matt, out here? Uh, yeah, I've been quite a, quite a few times down the years. Yeah, um, my my wife's got friends over there, um, uh, and obviously golf over there is fantastic, and uh, it's, it's a good combination. My daughter loves it over there too for the for the weather and the uh, the entertainment out there. So uh, yeah, it's 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 been a pretty regular holiday place for us. Nice to meet you. So, what's the best golf course? Oh, pressure's on. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I say in Dubai, uh, the one I enjoyed playing the most was the Els Club. Yeah, I thought you played the Els quite a few times, haven't you? Yeah, I, I always, that's, that's the one I, I try and get on every time I come over there, really. Yeah. It's, it, I played it when it was pretty new, actually, before they had a clubhouse. Uh, and I just love the challenge of the course. I just I just think it's a, a real good, tough setup, and uh, and I enjoy a, a tough challenge. You need, a chi- you need a chipping game around there, though, to be fair. It's horrendous if you miss a green. Upside down saucers. Absolutely. So difficult. Miss a green, mate, bogey. <laughs> <laughs> That's my game, anyway. It's all right being out of it 320 yards off the tee, but if your chipping's no good, you know what I mean? You're struggling. <laughs> That's, why I co- That's why I coach. <laughs> <laughs> I can only do half of it. Um, when did you start playing golf? Um, I was quite late you- to the game. Really, um, I kind of had my first round, 16, 17, um, just messed about for a little bit. Um, and then uh, when I got divorced, when I was 28, I suddenly had a bit more time on my hands because I had a couple of young kids at the time. Uh, so uh, that curtailed the golf playing. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I got divorced and then I took up golf seriously. So that was probably when I was 28, I suppose. So you always always play through the through playing then as well while you were while you were still playing. Yeah, the last the last few years of my career, I was I was trying to play um, once or twice a week, uh, and then when I retired, I just went I went mad. But I was like playing four or five times a week. Crazy. <laughs> I was going to say that because like nowadays the boy, the players now they'll literally play on international breaks or just literally wait till summer, don't they? They very very rarely get the players playing during the season. Obviously no, schedules. Everything, yeah, everything's changed as well, and, and obviously people take it a lot more seriously these days. Um, you know, they get they get they get paid a bit more, but with that comes <laughs> the possibility of having to be uh, super fit and making sure that in their downtime they're looking after themselves properly. And 
uh, and not doing what we were doing back in the day. <laughs> well, we're going to hear some of those. We want to hear some of those stories anyway. <laughs> yeah, we 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 probably weren't uh, uh, as professional as uh, as the group of players that they that are playing today. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that that brings on quite nicely, Matt. To be honest, one of the questions I've got here for you. Obviously, a lot of our business is in the off season and keeping these guys fit now with with the way that the game's gone. I can imagine it's a massive contrast to uh, how it used to be. Just fill us in on kind of what this. Yeah, obviously, we'd be coming up to the off season now. So, how how would that now look for you? What what, what was it like back then? You know, um, well, I, I mean, in, in my early days, just to, just to give you an example of uh, of what happened early on. So, we would finish the season kind of first or second week of May, um, and then we would be we would then be back in. Um, it would be kind of first week of July. So we yeah. had uh, we had a yeah, fair fair chunk of time off. Um, probably about it worked out about seven seven or eight weeks, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in that time, I mean, from the first from the first season when I was there, I was only I was obviously I was sixteen. I was a kid, played in the youth team the whole season. Uh, I was I was quite slight in those days. I was only about ten and a half stone, dripping wet, and I went back to Guernsey for the whole period of the seven weeks. So we had no, we literally had no training to do. They just went yeah. right. You've got seven weeks off. We'll see you on July the first. Yeah, uh, and that was it. So I went back to Guernsey, had a lovely time over the summer, came back a stone heavier than what I'd left. Yeah, which, which actually wasn't wasn't a bad thing because I was I was you know, really slight and too skinny really. So it kind of it kind of bulked me up a little bit, ready for the next season. And then, uh, so I had that that next season. I made my debut in the in the first team. Um, and I scored ten goals that season, few subs appearances, few starts. Um, and then I went back to Guernsey the following summer. The same thing happened again. I put another stone on during the summer. So that was my first two off seasons uh, as a as a professional footballer. I put on a stone each time. Um, yeah. Happily, uh, I, I kind of after that I. Kind of leveled off and decided in the off season that I would occasionally just get the trains out and do a little bit of work in the off season just to uh, just to try and make the pre-season training um, a little bit easier. When I went back, because I really I, I really struggled. When we went back on July the first, it was literally right you're back and you're out running and it was like proper hardcore. Yeah. Uh, really, um, uh, it, it you you kind of didn't really warm up into it. I know it's, it wasn't scientifically based back in those days. <laughs> yeah, it was literally, we're just going to smash you and you're yeah. just going to have to do running as we tell you to do and then you're going to be fit. <laughs> that, yeah. And it was literally, oh, okay. And then they would literally run us until we were nearly sick, basically. <laughs> what it was like. uh, and did, that, did that come from just you as a, as a player and kind of your own experience directing that or was it more from the, the, did the club start to put things in you know as it got towards the 2000s and into that generation yeah towards the back end the club was starting to give you little plans to take away for the summer uh, so you would kind of have a week off and then uh, the following week you do sessions on a Monday Wednesday and Friday that they'd give you um, I mean you weren't monitored in any way shape or form <laughs> yeah, yeah. they were you to trusting you to do it um some players were better than that with others than others, um, and it kind of yeah it kind of started to get a little bit more professional 
towards the back end of my career, but I kind of, I kind of rebelled. I was, I was, <laughs> I was already like old school and just thought, you know what, I'm coming to the career. <laughs> don't really matter to me. Uh, just touching on the off season, where was the holiday of choice? Obviously, a lot of the boys now come to Dubai. Where was the, where was the holiday of choice when you were playing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, where, where was I going? Um, I think the Canary Islands were uh, were quite yeah. popular. Tenerife a few times, um, uh, and yeah, Spain and France. I didn't really go too far. I wasn't really yeah. uh, exotic, far off holidays in those days. I, I, I prefer a much uh, a much more exotic holiday these days. <laughs> yeah, nice. And during during your playing days, there a little birdie uh, called David Lee tells me that there was one particular golf trip. Out uh, in Villa More. Do, do you want to fill us in on that one? Razor Ruddock involved, I'm, I'm hearing. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you knew Didsy. Yeah, um, yeah, I used to work with Didsy at Bolton, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, so I think that was that the trip when, um, I'm not sure if that was the trip that uh, Alan Shearer um, nearly severed two of his toes off was that the one he was telling you about or was that before oh, that might be you tell you that one as well though <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you that that's two stories we've got I, I nearly uh, I think the one he's on about I nearly I nearly killed Raisin Ruddock on a golf club yeah that's the one yeah, <laughs> yeah. set the scene Matt set us the scene so uh, so okay so we're, we're playing I can't remember which course it was but all I can remember um, it might have been San Lorenzo actually uh, so all I can remember was uh one of us had hit our ball uh, out right on this uh, on this hole, but the fairway there was the fairway, and then it banked up, and then there was like another hole at the top there. And one of us had hit our ball up the top. The other one, the other one was on the fairway, so we went and get the one up the top first to hit towards the green. So what I, what I hadn't realised is that the one up the top had gone quite a bit further than the one that was on the fairway. So when I came, I was driving the buggy. So after he'd hit the ball, I came down the slope back onto the fairway. And as we got to the bottom, I just I saw my ball like 20 yards further back on the left. And just so as we just got to the bottom of the slope, I just went, oh, my ball's over there. And I literally yanked the buggy to the left. And obviously there was you know, a fair bit of weight in the buggy. And the buggy started tipping. And it was and it was going to go. I mean, it, it, it was literally going to go on its side. And we were going to be in all sorts of trouble. So as, as he does that, Razor kind of half jumps out the buggy. The buggy comes down, smashes him on the shoulder. And bounces back up straight again, so I don't actually get thrown out the buggy as well. He got a bit of a bruise on his shoulder, but it could have been a whole lot worse. I think, we've got, three, I think we've got three stories then. That's, that's another story, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to be the one that tell me the one that he said. I might not remember it. <laughs> Dizzy's recollection was, recollection was something about a, a fairway wood shot, and um, I think Razor was in the distance or something, and he was in the line kind of of the ball. And um, he's gone, go on, play it or something. And, he's, and you, you've said, I'll oh, get out of the way. And then you've took your shot and it's hit him on the arm. <laughs> Nearly took. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, wow, we've got three good stories now. Three good stories. Nearly killed Razor twice, but that's it. I want to hear about yeah, how I got his hear his toes coming off now. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. That, real- that was a good one. I didn't that's realize how much danger cool. I was in last year. <laughs> <laughs> before um, that was before Dizzy got to the club, I think, because um, Alan was was quite young then. Um, before he kind of really um, made a name for himself, um, but we were yeah we um, 
people who were out in Portugal on a on a mid season uh, team bonding trip, and um, obviously too much alcohol had been consumed. Ended up with a load of lads back in I think it was Barry Horn's room at the time. Um, uh, one of the lads thought it would be really good fun to pick up the mini bar and throw it off the balcony of the hotel. But obviously, while picking the mini bar up, there was like some glasses on the top, and they'd fallen on the floor, which was like the the, uh, the tiles, ceramic tiles on the floor of the bedrooms. Obviously, they've smashed. Uh, Alan's a little bit pissed, and um, uh, and is dancing away in this bedroom, uh, and stands on one of the uh, one of the bits of glass. <sighs> Uh, gets <laughs> uh, and has nearly and has nearly severed two of his toes off, and they uh, they stitched them back on at the hospital, and um, away he went. And the rest, as they say, is history. Never look back. Yeah. The making of him. <laughs> yeah, I could have made him. <laughs> Happy days. Were you in the same? Did Alan come through at Southampton? Were you in the same kind of era, generation coming through? Yeah, Alan. The Alan was the year after me. So, uh, so yeah, I I came through with uh, with Franny Benali, um, yeah. called Steve Davis, played at Burnley for uh, for a number of years. Yeah. Luton, um, and there was uh, there was a group of nine of us, and then the next group through the following year. So we went from being first year apprentices with the likes of uh, Phil Parkinson and Chris Wilder, who yeah. were the, the apprentices at that time. Um, and then when we moved to the second year apprentices, the first year apprentices became Alan Shearer, Rodney Wallace, Neil Madison. Um, so we had some we had some good players that, that kind of came through in a short space of time at Southampton. Yeah, uh, well, it's not produced really- some players, haven't they, Southampton? Mm. Yeah, they have indeed. And, um, and the guy down there, um, who was the youth team manager at the time, Dave Merrington, was a massive reason uh, for that. He was uh, he was incredible with the the work that he did with the the youth team down there he, he really wasn't all, all the lads that came through at that time will all point to Davis being the, the single biggest reason why they became professional who would you say is the best player that's left Southampton I mean Gareth Bale's turned out to be pretty good <laughs> not wrong he's done alright go some way to to beat what he's done in his career uh, obviously Alan top Premier League goal scorer um, so yeah, it's it's difficult because then you've got Virgil Van Dijk, you've got Sadio Mane. You know, I mean, those the lads obviously and come through the, the next crop, the next crop of players. Who do you think is the one that is potentially going to be that next starlet? Who's the sort of? I think we've seen a we've seen a, a, a brief bit of him this season, but there's a young midfielder called Will Smallbone. Yeah, um, who's uh, who's made a few appearances the last few weeks before uh, the season got curtailed. Um, I think he'll be the the next one that people will be talking about, and, and one that we'll have to probably fight to keep hold of. We're still heavily involved down at Southampton, aren't you? As an ambassador now, yeah. Yeah, they made me uh, club ambassador all back just over a year ago now. Um, what does that involve? What does that really enjoy that? So that entails, um, you know, going down there. I'm, I'm I go to every match that I can that I'm not yeah. uh, working on Sky, um, uh, and I also do some work with the club sponsors. Um, for uh, social media content uh, and stuff, and then uh, also work with the, the the club's charity on the Saints Foundation. Um, so, I'm ambassador for them as well, and, and do uh, a fair bit of work for them as well. Nice. So, enjoying the uh, enjoying the Sky Sports stuff. Yeah, I love the Sky Sports. It's uh, it, it's it's something that I've missed quite a lot actually during this lockdown period already. Um, you know, the the boys that 
on the show are great fun. We all get on really, really well. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of missed missed doing that, missed the football, missed the crack with the lads. And um, yeah. yeah, I've missed watching it since mo- since moving here. Obviously, you don't watch it. I used to spend my whole Saturday. You used to be on Saturday, either in the background or you're just constantly watching it. Soccer Saturday was just part of your day, wasn't it? Yeah, it's nice that a lot of people have uh, have said that. A lot of people have said that they're missing it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to to get back in the chair. Need to get some sort of retro uh, retro Gillette special going on. Where <laughs> one one weekend from the '99 season or something, but all you guys still are reporting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Great idea, that, to be fair. Reporting <laughs> on your own goals. <laughs> there's a uh, so, there's a uh, big. I was going to say, there's a big thing going around on TikTok now with Camp with the uh, the Ports, Portsmouth um, commentary and Cammy. Yeah, that's, uh, kind, of, that's kind of blown up last couple of days. There's been some really funny ones. Yeah, I've seen a few of them on Twitter as well. It's uh, <laughs> so. So, who would you say over the years, Matt, was was the hardest opponent you've you've played against? I'm sure there's been plenty throughout that era. Uh, yeah, there, there would have been plenty. Um, you know, early on when I was playing on the right wing, uh, Stuart Peard. Stuart Pearce uh, scared the living daylights out of me. He always gets uh, a shout out, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he, he, he must have been an animal. Pretty ferocious. Uh, it was actually, um, I, I was seriously, I mean, I was a kid. My second ever game for Southampton, I played against him. And I, as I said, I was only about <laughs> and a half stone dripping wet at that point, and he literally wrapped <laughs> out of me the whole game, uh, and I barely got a kick. Um, and then it took me, a, it took me a few years really till. Uh, it was only actually when I got to know him, when I got in the England squad, when he was in the England squad, I actually got to know him as a bloke. And it was only then that I thought, actually, you're not actually that scary, really, are you? It's just a bit <laughs> front. <laughs> he's actually a really decent fella. It works, though, because everyone, you, everyone you hear about says he's the one, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And then when I, when I played more centrally, um, you know, I used to come up against people like uh, Tony Adams, Gary Pallister, Martin Keown. Was a, was a very annoying, but for me, I think the best one, the one that I really struggled against and struggled to get the better of, was um, Des Walker. Okay, yeah, Forrest. Forrest, yeah, yeah. Forrest. Um, I, he was just just read the game well, and he had so much pace. He was just it was so difficult for me to play against. Yeah, coming coming into the goals, I mean, there's been there's been many. Uh, mm-hmm. The one I particularly want to ask about would be. Uh, Away, Old Trafford, you've took a shot from about 30 yards <laughs> out and, uh, and the ball just trickled in through the keeper's legs. Explain that one. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was Massimo Taibbi's finest hour. Yeah. Um, I, think, uh, I remember that game. That was the, the start of his demise, I think. At Man- I don't think he played too many more games after that game. But well, in the region, he, he, didn't get, he didn't get going in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I completely miss it. The shot, I hit the ground, and uh, and I kind of turned away in disgust. So I didn't actually ever see the ball go in the back of the net. As I turned away, all I could see were the Southampton fans in the, in the corner of, uh, of the stand at Old Trafford, yeah. and I just see them start jumping up and down. And I was like, "What's happened there?" Then <laughs> I turned around, <laughs> and the uh, ball was in the back of the net, and I literally had no idea how it had gone in until I saw it on match of the day that night. Talking about goals, we'll move, we'll move on to, to penalties. Is that something that has always been a, an art or is it something that just sort of snowballed once you and it never looked back or is it? Um, yeah, I, I, I took him as a kid. I was always, I was always the, you know, the penalty taker in my team. I was kind of growing up in Germany. I was always the best player in the team. So I was always the one who took the penalties. Um, I don't remember missing 
too many as a kid, although I did miss one in a really in a big game um, locally uh, in the under it was under fifteen Guernsey against Jersey match at the end of the season, which was quite a big deal over there, and I missed a penalty in that. Um, I also missed a penalty in my first ever youth team game for Southampton. We beat Reading four two, and uh, my penalty got saved in that, but I carried on taking them. And then when I got for the first team, a couple of seasons went by, and then we started. Um, we had a run of about three or four different people taking penalties, and they all missed. So Chris Nickel um, in the eighty nine ninety season, towards the start of it, um, he decided he was going to have a penalty competition in training, and whoever won the penalty competition would become the penalty taker. Also, awesome. sounds about right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he um, took this penalty competition so seriously in training because I wanted to be the, the penalty taker, and I, I didn't miss a single penalty the whole way through. And yes. uh, and that how I became the penalty taker. And I think I missed. I think I got twenty, twenty or twenty one. I took before I missed my first one, and then and then that was it. Didn't miss did another the, one. After. And did the one you missed? Did it? How much did it have an impact on you at the time when you got it? Was it like? Catastrophize or was it? Uh, I, I tell you what, I was more annoyed about is that Mark Crosley saved it and actually parried it back out to me, and I missed the rebound as well. I was, I think, I was in shock of missing it in the first place. Yeah. And uh, about six yards, I managed to scoop it over the bar with my left foot, which was probably more annoying than actually missing the penalty. Um, but I think what it did do a little bit is probably take take the pressure off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After father carried on going, and every time he got a penalty, he'd be thinking. Oh, he's never missed one. He's never missed yeah. one. It kind of did. It relieved a little bit of the pressure. I think the most nervous I was taking a penalty was probably the one after the one I missed. Because yeah. I think if you miss two in a row, people then yeah. start going, "Oh, I don't know. He, he shouldn't really be taking them anymore because he's missed yeah. two in a row." And I wanted to carry on taking them. So that that for me, that one after that was the was the most important one. And the last goal at the Dell must have been pretty special. Yeah, that's an amazing memory. Um, really was. I mean. When you put it into the context of, of what the season had been for me, yeah. uh, I'd spent most of that season injured. I'd, I'd played very infrequently. I'd scored one goal in the League Cup, I think, that season. Uh, it was a rubbish season for me. I hadn't scored a Premier League goal the whole season. Uh, and then to uh, to get on the pitch as a sub in the last game yeah. uh, to, to score, uh, not not just the last goal at the Dell, but it was a, it was a winning goal in the game, which yeah. you know was made it all the more special. It was against Arsenal. Um, so you know it was pretty cool, and and it was a decent effort as well. Left foot on the on the swivel, not my strongest foot, but um, the old swinger came into play and smashed it in the top corner. <laughs> to be fair, no, I was just going to bring you back to the penalties a little bit and just say, obviously, forty-seven out of forty-eight pens. Um, yeah. What's that? How does that compare to a little six-footer on the eighteenth? Which one? Which <laughs> one? Which, which, which one are you shaking? <laughs> Uh, six footer on the 18th. I'm shaking. Six more. footer on 18th. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Funny enough, every um, I, I played. I played in the um, the PGA, the BMW uh, Pro Am a few years ago. Oh yeah, uh, about Wentworth. four years. Yeah, Wentworth, and I played with Tommy Fleetwood. And about nice. uh, about two thirds of the way round, he, he come. He just come up to me, and we we stood down the, or walking down the fairway having a chat, and he said he was asking me about my penalty record. And he and he asked me what I what I did mentally to prepare for for taking penalties because he said he said to me then he said he said that that penalty kick for you is is my four five six footer on the last to win a tournament he yeah. said well and he 
how I prepared mentally for it. So I kind of went through all the all the little bits that I used to do, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully he took he took a little bit from that and um, uh, and partly down to you then and apply. Well, I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but I'm <laughs> I'm hoping that he applied that to to kind of the the putts that he when he stood over an important putt that he can go back to you know the thoughts that uh, that I kind of gave him and and it's basically just just keeping any negative thoughts out your out your mind really yeah. you know as a goal for what it's like fear of failure. absolutely absolutely so it was it was just very much you know believing in yourself and and picturing picturing the shot picturing what you want to happen so i used to picture the, the ball at the back of the net and the stadium erupting um you know and, and by picturing all those good things in your head you take out all the negative thoughts and uh, yeah you know what it's like stood over a putt if you can if you can see the line and you know what it's going to do and you just see the ball dropping you're taking away any any negative thoughts out of your mind that it, it might lift out or you might have misread it you know what it's like yeah. I do that I still miss there's something missing there's got to be ability as well in, in that you know, ah uh, that's the problem <laughs> We've got some. Um, we've got some quick fire questions for you, Matt. Just sort of uh, word answers um, to sort of round us off. Um, yep. So we'll get started. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Phil Thompson or Charlie Nicholas? Ooh. <laughs> I don't like defenders. <laughs> okay, James Beatty or Marlon Paras? Uh, Marion Paras. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Marion. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ryder Cup or Masters? Not it yet. Oh, sorry, sorry, I thought you answered. <laughs> sorry, I was flying. I mean, that's close. They're very different footballers, and both did very well for Southampton. But on on sheer ability alone, I'd take Marion Pahars. I had to explain to Jay who Marion Pahars yeah, was. I was going to say that's before his time, isn't it? We are now. It's coming. It's coming. Okay, Ryder Cup or Masters to win it. Uh, I would go. I would go Ryder Cup. I like being part of the team. Yeah, good answer. World Cup with England or the Prem of Southampton? Oh, it's got to be World Cup with England. That's the ultimate. Yeah. Good, good, good. Dubai or, or Dubai or the Algarve for golf? Oh, Dubai all day long. All day all long. Day. Yeah. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Uh, you have to choose one. Neither really. I was neither of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my best boot contract was with Puma. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> Puma, Puma, Puma Kings, Puma Kings, <laughs> Puma Kings. Exactly. Okay, Gerard or Skulls? Gerard or Skulls? were good boots as well. I've got some of them now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Gerard or Skulls? Oh, uh, Gerard or Skulls? Blimey. Um, I would go. Not even, not even close. Oh, I don't know about that. United fan. Uh, no, I know who he is. <laughs> I'd go Gerard. Why, 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 why for that one? Because I don't think Gerard had weaknesses, and Skulls had a weakness in the tackling department. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy, or Jordan Speed. Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Rory. Beer or wine to finish? Neither. Malibu. Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair, fair, fair. I never drink beers, I drink wine, yeah. Never have done, never will do. 
Really? Why is that any reason? Beer drink. Never liked it, or just don't like the taste. Yeah, just the taste just don't agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Malibu Weiss. Sheeran nearly ended up with three toes. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for taking the time to to come on and have a chat. Hope you enjoyed it. It's good fun. Nice to hear some kind of outside of football stuff as well. So always good to learn and listen. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't ask me about my two twos at Augusta though. Come on. <laughs> oh, you got you got on far away. <laughs> oh. Pretty far away. <laughs> oh. Oh, actually, you did tell me that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Arthur. Arthur. Oh, you're oh, bad. I'm just <laughs> jealous. I've, I've erased it from my memory. I'm just jealous. I've never played it. <laughs> Yeah, I was very lucky to play it, and we played 36 holes in a day there. Uh, and I made um, two twos on 12. Birdied it both rounds. So uh, that was my, my, my golfing you... claim to fame. That's where most players crumble as well. Yeah, exactly. I nearly hold out the second one. I was about 18 inches short, bang on line. They say it's the toughest, easiest par three in the world. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. We <laughs> had <laughs> the wind when we played it, so it helped. <laughs> what what were you right. handicapping then, Matt? Uh, I think I was four then. Yeah. So always be three twos next time, mate. <laughs> 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 I need two round. Lovely. I need two round there. Good, Good stuff. stuff. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for your time. And uh, up, if, if you're back out in Dubai, then be good to catch up whenever you're over. No, definitely. I think the wife did say when all this uh, madness is over, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to book a trip over there. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, it won't be too long. Nice, mate. We'll get, we'll get a little football. We'll get a little footballing. <laughs> That'll be good. Thanks a lot, Great man. Stuff. Thank, thanks Cheers, very much, Matt. Cheers for your time. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for that, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, so that was a goal in one with Matt Latissier. Next episode will be with Nader Manua. And we will be releasing that in a few days' time. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Peace out.